0: After popular demand, we explain some NFL defenses.
1: The DAC deal goes up against the Patrick Price. And Rodgers looks to discount double-check the Vikings. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection.
0: Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. I'm Nick Rudman, joined as always by the man with the fabulous follicles, Andrew Mize. We are not your normal big talk sports radio show with the talking heads and the hot takes and the big budgets. We got to make up for not having that by working ridiculously hard, doing our research, and being ridiculously good looking.
1: That's right, Nick. And because we're not backed by big sports media, we don't have all the billions and billions of dollars. We need your help, you the viewer. So whether you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, any way that you like to listen, uh, we could use some help. If you give us a like, a comment, uh, drop a subscription on the YouTube platforms, it all goes much, much further than you could imagine. Uh, So check us out on all of our platforms on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. We are Saturday Morning Inspection. On our Twitter and our Facebook, we're at SMI Football Show. And as always, you can check out our website, smishow.com, for more information. But after popular demand, you heard Nick say it earlier, we have some great defensive breakdowns in our deep dive this week. We got our gut checks, our game picks. But first, I'm a little groggy, Nick. Do you want to wake me up, get my brain moving with some trivia?
0: Yeah, man, let's get after it. All right, so let's let's go into it. So... The New York Jets have had a really rough stretch defensively the last four games. They've surrendered 175 points. What team less than twenty-five years ago won the Super Bowl surrendering less than that amount, less than 175 points in an entire regular season?
1: Have to be the two thousand Ravens. Yep. You got it. I was good. I was, I was hoping you
0: would get that one, a big Ravens reference and a defense reference, but exactly. there's a lot of teams, a lot of good defenses. Good job.
1: But they probably also scored less than that on offense because the offense was nothing but running with Jamal Lewis. Well, t-
0: they had to score at least more than that. Or, you know, they had to score more than they gave up. Right. So they just yeah. had to get one more than they gave up to win.
1: Right. So it was a good year, some good defense. Uh, you know, maybe one day we should break down like our top five defenses of all time or offenses of all time or something like that. We can we'll look into it.
0: I think that's called a teaser, right? Or
1: Yeah, you know. Just baiting the baiting the hooks, see if anyone bites. Uh we'll see what happens. Read the comments. If you ever have any suggestions, feel free to give us a comment. But nonetheless, I'm warmed up. Uh I got you you give me a, a low ball, get my get my confidence up. I'm ready to try to break down some defense. You did such a good job teaching last last time with the offenses. I feel like an expert. Uh, so let it jump on into the defense. So first up here, we have 34 box one on our screen. And this looks like a whole defensive playbook page. You want to uh, explain this a little bit and then we can maybe get into it.
0: Right. So just like the offense, anytime you hear a defensive play, it's got different elements. Unlike the offense, it's a lot simpler. So whereas the offense is trying to execute concepts to move the football or score, defense is simply just reacting to those concepts. They're making uh, checks and calls to stop the offense from executing. So here we're looking at what's called 34 Fox 1. So 34, you can see the three down defensive line and the four linebackers, a 3-4. Th- 34 is that alignment. Fox tells you that or tells us looking at the play that they call that uh, Fox is when both outside linebackers blitz you see that on the edge there um, and one tells you the coverage behind it they're calling it one being a cover one. Now what cover one means in common football lexicon is one single high safety Uh, when I say single high he's in the middle of the field he's deep. He's got the middle of the field all kind of by himself. He's kind of the center fielder, the classic Ed Reed, Earl Thomas type. That's his role in any kind of cover one defense. So that's kind of what there, you Nick. see
1: here. Can't compare those two in the same sentence.
0: Well, I mean, how about Earl Thomas when he was with Seattle? Well, I'll, I'll go that way. I okay. forgot he played with. Okay. I forgot he played for the Ravens and got the source the subject Mosh. in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so you look at this play and this is a variant, just like there's different variants with offensive schemes, there's variants with defensive schemes. So for example, this is a cover one with a Fox split. So they're rushing five guys, which forces them to play man on man across the board with one deep safety. So the whole point of this defense here is they're trying to isolate pass rushers and get pressure on the quarterback. So that way their defensive backs don't have to cover for very long. There's other variants of cover one that you'll see sometimes you'll hear cover. One robber is sometimes a phrase you'll hear on TV where you have one deep safety. He's got the deep zone and one safety. who's closer to the line of scrimmage covering kind of the middle of the field. Those are all concepts that, you know, basically every defense uses and runs with this kind of coverage that you see a lot of times on Sundays.
1: So some basic questions here for you, Nick. Yep. Sure. First off I see, We have two corners playing. Looks like some press man, and they're on their own on the outsides of the the play. That's pretty Mm self-explanatory. Now these safeties back here. This is a little bit more uh, tricky to dissect for the common man, but I'll give it my best. This free safety. I can tell that he. It looks like these safeties are lined up in what would be like a cover two, at look at first. But this free safety is going to fall back into the middle field, like you said, into that cover one. And is this strong safety going to pretend to blitz but cover the wide receiver?
0: So you're exactly right. It, they start up in the two-deep safety look and they back up a little bit. A big part of what defense is trying to do is just confuse the picture for the quarterback. So uh, Peyton Manning actually talked about it on the Manning cast uh, earlier this week where when quarterbacks get to a line of scrimmage, after they identify the front, you know, if it's three down linemen or four, they identify the linebackers that helps with protections. Then they look at the safeties and they see two safeties deep. That tells you a certain kind of coverage package. If you see one safety deep, that tells you an, another kind of coverage package. If you see no safeties deep, obviously it's an all out blitz. That's a whole nother different kind of coverage package. Now here in this uh, alignment, what the play is telling the defense is start in a two deep safety look, and you see those little squiggly ni- lines next to the uh, free safety and strong safety there.
1: Yeah. What does that mean?
0: So that means try and time it up with the cadence and kind of walk that direction at the snap because the uh, you see the strong safeties man on man with the tight end, but he is really deep. I mean, he's like 12, 15 yards off the ball in his original position there. So a, a smart quarterback or a quick route to the tight end here could be an easy 10, 15 yards, like a quick out or something like that. So they line up in this too deep look and then, into the cadence, that strong safety starts walking up to get closer and closer to that tight end because he's got him in man on man coverage. And that free safety starts walking more to the middle of the field. That's why a lot of quarterbacks will try and hurry up to the line of scrimmage and they'll go like a fake count to see the defense adjust like they would to kind of tell the real picture. Because a lot of defenses, basically every defense now, never just lines up in place. They always try and do some kind of disguise because quarterbacks are really, really smart and really well coached for the most part that they're able to figure out what uh, what defensive schemes uh, teams will be in if they line up in our stationary and the best way to attack them.
1: That reminds me of like famously the Bill Belichick Patriots versus Rams Super Bowl where uh, some defenders came out and said after the fact that every play they had two defensive calls. They would line up in one. Wait until the mic and the helmet cut off so McVay couldn't talk to Goff and then switch to the other defense to give a different look to confuse Goff, who was obviously he still doesn't know what's going on, but he didn't know what was going on, and they, that's how they dominated them so well.
0: Yeah, so a big part of defense is just making it hard for the offense, and what I mean by that is not making reads easy, to not just know, okay, this guy's uncovered, free release, I'll just hit him real quick. Or, Hey, I've got an all pro receivers, man on man. I don't see any safety over the top. He's going to be open. I'm going to throw to him right away. So for example, here, you've got both corners are on islands, right? Man on man. Well, if you're playing a good passing team, if you lined up with just one safety in the middle of the field and what's, you know, they call it a single high look, a a good quarterback would look at that and say, Oh, I want to get my receivers one-on-one deep, whichever one is the best matchup, maybe even both of them. But, you know, the uh, the uh, Ravens are a good example right That You see Hollywood Brown, 1-1-1, one, 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 no safety over the top. That's where you're going right away. But they line up in that two uh, deep safety look. So when the quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, he immediately says, okay, that's not really there. I can't look there. When in reality, the defense they're actually playing, it is there. So that's kind of the, the head games and strategy that goes on to defense. That's a little bit different than how the offense has to
1: operate. So – in my opinion from all these things you've been saying what i've gathered is it seems like it's a little bit easier for the offense to go out and execute their game plan the defense really has to put some spice on it to to to, to a more if in my opinion from all of this it should be more impressive to see a well executed defense than it should be a well executed offense there's more room for error And it's a lot harder to call the perfect plays on defense, it seems.
0: Yeah, there's always an offense that can beat a defense, right? There there is no perfect defense. There is no coverage or or scheme that'll cover every offensive play. It just doesn't happen. There are holes in every scheme. For example, you know, in in this cover one look, you know, all the wide receivers are in man on man. So uh, a deep route down the sidelines, you know, they're playing press, maybe a fade. You know, or they get, you know, they run like a slant route and they, they beat the corner off the ball or uh, the running back is a good receiving running back and he beats the linebackers in man on or, man or whatever. Right? There's a lot of weaknesses there in the defense. The whole point of the defense is to do just enough to confuse and deter. Uh, the offense and mainly the quarterback to identifying the weakness and executing against it long enough for the pass rushers to get home that's basically the whole goal of any defense to say we're going to cover everybody for three seconds or we're going to make it confusing for three seconds and then by then if our pass rushers are there we'll win if they're not we'll lose and they just live with that that's all they can do that they can't try and cover everything because you just can't especially in today's nfl
1: I wish you would have explained this to me a little bit better in college. I probably would have beat you at Madden if, a little bit more if I would have known what was going on.
0: Yeah, Madden's a little bit different, but yeah, I, can, I couldn't tell you too much because even when you beat me, I'd, I'd have to throw the controller a few times. The few times you did beat me, so I could For the, I didn't have money for spare controllers, so for the ability for me to keep playing, I had to not divulge too many of these secrets. Uh,
1: well, you have any more on this one, or should we move to the next set? let's move on to the next play let's show that one next up we have the cover 2 cover 2 that we briefly mentioned
0: yeah so cover 2 is uh you know cover 1 was the one deep safety cover 2 you know following that logic is two deep safeties so the, the here the whole scheme of the cover 2 is the corners stay up to the line of scrimmage they cover the flats and by the flats that's the area on the near the sidelines uh, closer to the line of scrimmage, about 10 yards in in. And the two safeties split, uh, each of them have half the field deep. And the whole point of this uh, coverage is to eliminate the big play. So think about it like this. you know, A lot of uh, offenses are looking for one-on-one opportunities for their big play receivers down the field. The Chiefs are a fantastic example. What cover two allows defenses to do, specifically corners, it allows them to beat up the receivers at line of scrimmage and then let them go, let them beat them deep because they know their help is 20 yards behind. At the snap, right, the defense already has two defenders, each safety in the middle of the field, who is already 20 yards ahead of the offense and preventing the big play. And that gives a huge advantage, obviously, to stopping those big plays down the sideline. Now, there are some holes in cover too. The big one, right, if the safety split, if they have the two and they have to split uh, the middle of the field, uh, comes wide open. So that's that middle linebacker. He's got to get depth. You see him with the arrows, his middle read. He's got to get depth and he's reading. He's looking for anybody attacking that middle of the field. And then you have the two linebackers uh, or sometimes defensive backs. They've got the, uh, the hook curl is what they call that. And their whole point is to just uh, look for crossing routes from those wide receivers or hook routes from either tight ends or those wide receivers. So basically the whole point here is for those corners to pass off the receivers either deep to the safeties or to those hook curl routes in the middle. The whole point of this defense is just to make things take a long time so your pass rushers get home eventually you'll find holes, right? Eventually your receiver, if he's running a, a crossing route, will pass the corner, get past the corner, he'll get past the first uh, hook curl zone, and then he'll be open over the middle of the field. Or, or you know, you have a tight end that's going to eventually uh, work around and find a hole on the opposite side of the field. Or you have a receiver that's able to work a deep post down the middle and find a gap there or, or, or get deep up the sideline. Eventually the holes will be there, but it just takes a long time for it to develop. Cover two is designed to take a long time, make it look really ugly for the offense out the gate, right? Because you have, if you look at the defense, they essentially have five short zones or five zones, 10 yards and in right at the snap. That doesn't leave a lot of room for quick passes and quick reads. You know, and they also have the two safeties deep, so the quarterbacks can't look for a quick shot. It takes a long developing time and it just makes the picture really clear, uh, really cloud cloudy for the quarterback. So a lot of times if they get some pressure, quarterback just wants a quick check down just to get five or six yards.
1: It seems like uh, like you said, they're vulnerable in the middle, but also you're still always going to be vulnerable because a good receiver on a linebacker, that's kind of a mismatch in coverage. The linebacker's probably not as fast as a receiver. Uh, but then it seems like even when that middle linebacker, if there's like some sort of delayed route, if that middle linebacker clears out, there may be some openings right in the middle of the field, like in that uh, slant range, something like that. Uh, so are, I guess just high and low middle of the field is where you'd try to attack a cover two.
0: Yeah. So definitely you're going after the middle of the field. There's basically two ways to attack a cover two is the first concept you kind of hit on it. It's kind of a levels concept. And when you have a a receiver at the same position horizontally, so in this case, middle of the field at different levels. So let's say you have one receiver who's running a deep post. You have one receiver running like a 12 yard in cut. And you have one receiver running a short uh, little drag route, shallow cross. And basically what you do is you force that middle linebacker to take, you know, one of those two crossing routes, either the drag or the uh, deep end. And you see whichever one he takes, you throw to the other guy and you look long to short. You also have the deep post to see, to make sure those safeties honor that deep post. If the safeties let him go and thinking that middle linebacker is going to get deep enough, you hit there first. So that's again, Peyton Manning talked about it. You look touchdown to check down. You work deep and progress long. So the first thing in that situation, you look for the deep post. Hey, the safety didn't screw the pooch. He honored the deep post. Okay, did that middle linebacker get deep enough to take the in route, the deep in route? Okay, he did. All right, immediately hit the five-yard cross, let the guy run after catch. Uh, The second way to beat this is they call it flooding the zone. So the good thing about cover two is you've got deep guys that are already in position. The bad thing is there's a lot of ground to cover. So one of the ways you can beat it is if you have two receivers on the same side of the field, both go deep. And the way I, the way you can do that is you can have one receiver run a post route and one receiver run a corner route. And basically you just force the uh, deep safety to pick one or the other and whichever one he picks, you go the other way. And so that kind of, by flooding the zone, by putting more players in the zone than there are players that defender can cover, you open up a lot of opportunities offensively.
1: You get a, a little bit, more favorable matchup one-on-one with your receiver. You hope he can win that matchup.
0: Right, because remember, the thing about even though it's a zone coverage, it eventually becomes man-on-man the moment some, someone comes into your zone. So basically, with two deep receivers, one running a post, one running a corner, you force that safety. He's got to pick one of them to cover and go man-on-man, and you just go the other guy. And that's how you can get a lot of big plays out of it. Now, the one caveat is, right, that's a long-developing play. So if you can get a decent pass rush, you can kind of eliminate that. And, again, that's what the whole point of these zone coverages are is to cover it long enough to get some sort of a pass rush.
1: Now, uh, this is the last thing on this that I have, but uh, there's these two plays. They look relatively similar except for the offenses, but the defenses look relatively similar. Uh, Except for one key difference. It's kind of glaring. It's sticking out of the screen, screaming to you. Do you know, what does this scat mean? the yellow box that says scat do you have any clue on that one or is that so that's just some just, terminology yeah
0: so that's just a a call uh the corner will make so you can see on that one there is no wide receiver to that side so that corner is moving closer into the line of scrimmage and i don't know exactly what the scat call is but i think the scat call is telling the safety behind them hey i'm, I'm moving in because there's no one that wide So it's just letting everybody know, hey, I'm actually, I'm not going to be as far out as I used to be. I'm going to be right here, uh, closer to the line of scrimmage. Because remember, if that corner sits really far outside covering nobody, what good is he? You know, there is no point in covering grass. You'll hear that from coaches all the time. Don't cover grass. So there's no one out wide on his side. So he moves in. He still has that short, flat responsibility. But because he's moved in and displaced a little bit, he makes a scat call to let everyone around him know.
1: Perfect. All right. Now, going up by the numbers, we go cover 1, we go cover 2. Let's check out some cover 3. This is a uh Seattle play, the Deuce Stone Boston, a lot of words, a lot of stuff going on. Uh Seattle famous for cover 3. Uh what do you what do we got here?
0: So cover 3 is uh basically cover one right you still have the same deep safety but instead of that safety and cover one having to just be the center fielder only and that's kind of responsibility and cover three he's still the center fielder but he also knows the corners to the outside to his left and right have responsibility for their deep third so remember cover two you basically broke up the broke up the deep uh half of the field into halves right each safety had one half cover two here you break up the deep part of the field into three pieces so The corner, uh, the other corner, and the free safety each have a third. So what essentially is it's cover one. Remember how that was man-on-man? Cover three is very, very similar, except the corners will hand off to the safeties and vice versa their man-on-man responsibilities once their receiver leaves their third. So for example, uh, if you run like a deep post or something like that, the corner will stay with him until that receiver clears it and goes to the safety. So remember how I talked about a post-corner concept uh, with one player running a post, one player running a corner against cover two? Cover three beats that because the corner covering the post would hand the post off to the safety and he'd switch to the corner. So it, it's, it's just a different concept designed to handle that. The other part about cover three, which is big, and you see it there, is it brings the strong safety up into the box, gives that force in the middle of the field to take out uh, those short crossing routes and things like that. It also allows them to better support the running game.
1: So, this defense seems, like I said earlier, very difficult to execute. It seems very player-based. And let's go back to the Legion of Boom, Seattle. Uh, you had two strong corners who were able to go that deep third by themselves and be able to handle that. Richard Sherman, I believe Byron Maxwell was the other corner. Uh, or I think that's who it was. But they,
0: uh, Brandon Browner.
1: Brandon Browner. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, they were able to handle themselves on that third. Earl Thomas was able to handle his third. And then someone like Cam Chancellor would step up in the box and more linebacker-esque safety. So if you don't have two lockdown corners or serviceable, decent corners and a good safety, this seems like a really difficult kind of defense to execute.
0: Yeah, it, it can be. And that's the way it is with almost any defense, right? Cover one, where the, when those corners were strictly man-on-man, that's also another challenge because, you know, you're, you're by yourself on an island and cover three. You're not so much by yourself, but you have to be able to be, uh, react very, very quickly. You have to be a good tackler, uh, which obviously Richard Sherman and uh, Brandon Browner were. You have to have some size on you you know, because you're going to be playing a lot of jump balls and fades, which both of them did, which worked out very well. So a lot of it is personnel driven, but there are also different techniques and different ways of playing it that go into factor here, too. One of the things that uh, Cover 3 does a lot of that was trying to prevent is that for a long time, when people started running the Cover 2 more beginning in the early 2000s, the middle of the field was open. We talked about level concepts, and we talked about flooding the zone. Cover 3 eliminates a lot of the flooding the zone, and it puts another guy in the middle of the field, right? So instead of having one person in the middle of the field, you have two uh, linebackers, and you have that strong safety and the other linebacker covering the flat and the, the buzz coverage, as it's called here. So that's a that's cover three is sort of a way to beat teams that figured out cover two. So defense is always kind of react to offenses. That's kind of how the uh, the game ebbs and flows. And the Legion of Boom and cover three basically came into prominence because teams were finding a lot of success against a lot of two deep coverage.
1: And this it just seems like a, a really good if you have two strong corners who can cover their third, that whole middle of the field is gone. Like you you don't want to throw the ball there. That's it's it has about 50 guys right there able to jump any route. So it seems like a very effective defense to run.
0: It is, but it got ran out of fashion very quickly. Uh, and the reason it did, and it started with that Super Bowl against the Patriots, where uh, we all remember the Malcolm Butler interception, but what really beat them up was Tom Brady just dinking and dunking. Because one of the things about this defense is that there's a lot of holes to the outside because that, that, those corners have to bail pretty quickly. And those two buzz routes, they start in the middle of the field. Remember how cover two, how the flats, the corners were already there? Now
1: and cover in th- the flat.
0: This, yeah, the cover three, they're starting much closer to the middle of the field. So it's, it's a lot open for quick outs, quick flares to running back, quick uh, curls and stop routes to the receivers. Those are all open. So for a guy that can recognize and execute, you know, Brady and a lot of the veteran guys, Rogers, they found a lot of ways to beat this coverage very, very quickly. And unless you have superior talent like Seattle, it's a hard one to play because once teams figure it out, it's really easy to move the ball.
1: Uh, would like something like a halfback screen or wide receiver screen be like effective against a defense like this?
0: Yeah. So anything where uh, a screen is great when the, the defensive backs are bailing. So a screen isn't as good against cover two because you already have a guy in the flat, right? But against cover three, because both corners are flying and they're bailing, it's a pretty good play there because it it just creates a natural space. All right. Remember how we talked about clear outs uh, last week on offense? Yes. So the cover three actually creates the clear out for them, right? Because the corner has to bail.
1: So you you immediately... The clear out was the concept where the bow, the arrow... Uh, the go route would clear out for the uh the branch the branch route.
0: Right, cover three basically clears it out for you in a lot of ways.
1: Gotcha. So a branch bow might be an effective play to run against a, a cover it is three.
0: Ext- extremely effective play.
1: Now we're now we're putting the pieces together. Yeah, it's it's all coming together. All right, you ready to get a little bit more complicated? Let's do it. Let's get a let's get a little wacky with it. We got one, two, three. We can't cover them all. There's a million defenses. So let's go from four to six.
0: So cover six, right? Cover six is a combination of cover two and cover four. Again, coaches aren't super creative. You know, they call the combination. They just added them together to get six. Basically what six is designed to do is to... You want to play a cover two style defense. You're not a cover three team, but you understand teams are flooding the zone down the field and, and you can't get to the quarterback and you want to stop it. So basically what you do is you, uh, for the side of the field, that is the strength of the offense, usually the slot receiver or bunch receivers, the corner will bail and you'll have a safety. They'll each take a quarter or quarter of the field or half of that half. And their whole game plan there is to uh, stop from flooding the zone, stop the post-corner combinations that I talked about before. That's the whole point there. Again, the flat is wide open. They surrender that part of cover two on that side. They're just trying to prevent the big plays and flooding the zone to that side of the field. On the opposite side of the field, they're running strictly cover two. So they've got the corner and the flat, jamming the receiver, and that other safety is getting deep. He has that entire half the field to himself.
1: So on uh, the plays we have right here, Let's look at the I trio. Uh, So what you're saying is that on this left side of the screen, where we have the strong safety and the X receiver, this side of the the field is cover two because there's only one receiver to this side. So the corner is going to cover him uh, man on man. And this strong safety will take that entire half of the field because there's not as much going. And this uh, linebacker here, the Sam, is going to drop into the middle for like that hook so route. the
0: corner doesn't have a man-on-man man. he's got the flat he's got right. the short pat so, so he's, it's
1: exactly like cover two. it is exactly like cover two.
0: now remember it'll look just like man-on-man man until the receiver gets about 15 yards downfield up the sideline or, or over the middle of the field Go but yet yeah, it. It, it is not directly man-on-man man coverage from that from that corner on that coverage
1: now on the opposite side of the Since we have the Y and the Z receivers over here, they have now cut this side of the field into quarters, so it goes from a half into two two quarters, and the corner is going to be one-on-one with the Z receiver, and the free safety is going to have that quarter of the field if the Y receiver or anyone else comes on his quarter of the field, they're all going to so it's like one half of the field doing one thing, and the other half of the field is doing something completely different
0: correct that's exactly the point again the whole the whole concept is right maybe the offense comes up to the line of scrimmage and they see those two deep safeties and like all right, cover two, this is perfect. We'll flood the deep guy we'll We'll put two guys on that deep safety and and we'll get a big play when in reality the uh, the defense is actually bailing that corner and uh, they've already got that safety deep for his own quarter. So that opens up uh, the defense to prevent that from happening. And once again, the whole point of the defense is to put, you know, cloud the quarterback and introduce doubt. So the quarterback's like, okay, I'm going to flood the zone. I'm going to get a big play here. He reads the two high look at the snap. He looks up and he realizes instead of being one safety that he's attacking, he's, sees a safety in a corner and his first, ah, oh, crap. You know, it's just, it just, now he's got some doubt. He's got some confusion you know, but, you know, it's a lot to process very quickly, you know, so does he hit the check down? Does he look for his alternate read? And remember he's got cover two on the other side. So he tries to look on the other side, maybe that's a a hook or maybe that's a a bomb or a fade and, but that's well covered by the cover two combination. And at that point he's got to hit the check down or he's sacked or he's got to throw it away. So again, the whole point is just to introduce doubt. It's just to be a counter to the offense from getting in any rhythm and timing based on how they looked.
1: So what offensive, scheme or play call would be effective against this, uh, cover six looks. What, what, what's your ideal. uh, So again,
0: if you treat it like a cover two, It's actually very, very beatable. And the way you can do that is use that Y receiver and that X receiver and still execute like a levels concept. One of them runs a short crossing route. One of them runs a a deeper turn in. And you can look at that middle linebacker and say, "Okay, whatever one he takes, I'm just going to throw it to the other guy. That's one way you can do it. The other way you can do it is treat it like a cover three and attack the boundary in the sideline because remember that corner is bailing on on the cover 6 side there's no one in the flatter curl so you hit the check down you hit the running back maybe you hit a quick out or something like that that's how you can beat it but remember you call this defense if you're if you're a defense because you are cover 2 you're playing a lot of cover 2 and they're attacking you deep with multiple wide receivers on one of your sides of cover 2 so this is a counter to an offense who's getting a lot of opportunities down the field against a cover 2 so the offense isn't thinking to go short. It's, it's, it's thinking to flood the deep zone. And again, by the time they realize that it's, it's not there, you know, they don't have, you know, you can't change the play mid play. And by the time the play is over, Hey, you don't know when they're going to go back to cover six. So you could run one of those combinations I talked about before. Maybe you run like a short, quick out, but now you're running it right into cover two. If they go back to cover two and that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So again, it's that chess match. It's that back and forth between the offense and the defense.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, any more that you have on this cover six concept?
0: No, I I think we covered it pretty good. And and again, I think the, the big thing you always want to think about, you know, defensively is making it hard for the offense. Don't make it easy. Right. And you see some of these here, even though it may be a cover six or cover two or cover three or, or whatever, you will see some situations where it actually becomes a man on man coverage for one of the guys on one of the receivers. Uh, the reason being, they don't want to give a free release to a guy and give him an easy twenty yards or something like that. So even though the coverage may be a cover two concept, you may find a situation where a defender against a certain formation or motion, you know, immediately becomes man. He like switches to man. And sometimes you see calls like that that'll be made at the line of scrimmage that that defenders will communicate to say, "Hey, everyone else is cover two, but I've got that guy man on man." You know, for whatever reason.
1: All right. Well. That was a great deep dive, defensive schemes, little, little mix, little match. You know, we got we got everything in there. Tried to get some different variations. I think it was very successful. Uh, do you want to move on to some game picks?
0: Yeah, I, I think let's do it. I mean, uh, I know the the big game of the week is is a game that Dallas is involved in. So, how about you give your opinions on Cowboys Chiefs first, and then I'll then I'll chime in.
1: All right. So. This is very unorthodox to say if this was last year, but this is this year, so things are different. Kansas City is coming off of their biggest win of the season. Dallas also had a comeback win as well, but Dallas has had a lot of good wins this year. I wouldn't say that they're uh, fallible to this. In my opinion, this game is the perfect trap game for Kansas City. Their confidence is up. Mahomes feels like he's got his groove back. In reality, they did pretty good against a Raiders team who is literally falling apart at the seams. There's no consistency. They're missing their their first round draft pick corner is gone. Got arrested. uh, Won't be on the team anymore. Uh, Top wide receiver game breaker Henry Ruggs gone. He's arrested. No longer with the team. Coach isn't there anymore. The team's literally a dumpster fire. Definition of an actual dumpster fire. Uh, so Kansas City got a, got an easy win. A little confidence booster. But who's there lurking in the background? Trayvon Diggs. Literally ready to pick off Mahomes. I'm saying two times this week in the game. I think this is going to be a big win for Dallas. A big game for Dallas. I think the Dak deal is going to conquer the Patrick Price. So Patrick watch out. I don't think you're going to be the spokesperson anymore. I think Dak comes in and uh, steals this game away.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so too. I think the, the interesting part of this game, there's really two elements to this. I think stylistically, and I don't even know if that's a word to be honest, Kansas city presents a lot of problems for Dallas because Dallas wants to play a lot of man coverage. They want to play a lot of that one safety deep look. That's just kind of how they are. Their defensive coordinator is Dan Quinn. He's famously uh, was a defensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks when they were doing a lot of that cover three. So he's real big in the, you know, cover three, cover one, that one deep safety. Well, the Chiefs love playing defenses that do that. They have field days against it. So I think that's going to be interesting. Does Dallas go against the way they've been playing defensively and switch to a two safety kind of look against Mahomes? Or do they keep going what they're doing and hope it continues to ride? I I think it's very interesting there. I think the other side of the game is that Dallas's defense gives up a lot of big plays, almost by design. Their whole strategy is to get some picks. He brought up Diggs. He's obviously had eight on the year, but their whole thought is, "Hey, we've got a couple playmakers. We've got Micah Parsons. We've got Diggs. You know, we've got a couple of these guys that can make plays and, and you know get big three and outs or big turnovers. So we, we'll let you get a few big plays offense. We're going to make some on defense because our strength of our teams on our offense." Again, I think Kansas City likes playing teams like that because Kansas City is kind of reckless. They don't care if they go three and out or turn it over. You know, they're going to keep trying to get big plays and score a lot of points. So it's I think, interestingly enough, it, as, as much as Kansas City uh, has struggled offensively, I think it's actually a good opportunity for them against a Dallas defense that stylistically plays in a way Kansas City likes. Uh I think this game is going to boil down to Dallas in the red zone offensively against Kansas City's defense. If Dallas can score touchdowns and not settle for field goals, I think they win the game. Unfortunately, I think uh, I think they're going to have to settle for some field goals. I think Elliott has been a little slowed down the last couple of weeks. They're a little banged up on the offensive line. I, I think that's going to affect them in the red zone. And I'm not saying they're going to you know not score touchdowns. I think they're going to score a number of them. But I think they're just going to settle for field goals maybe one or two too many times i give a slight edge to Kansas City because they're at home. I'm thinking this is like a 27-24, 30-27 kind of game where it's just one too many field goals for Dallas, and they give up maybe one too many big plays to Kansas City uh, because they stick with the way they've been playing defensively.
1: I want you to look at me, Dak. I know you watch. If Daniel Sorensen steps on the field, I want you to hit CeeDee Lamb for the deep ball every time. You got to do it. That's a guaranteed touchdown every play.
0: Yeah, I, I, I cannot believe teams literally just don't just throw right at Daniel Sorensen every time. I, it is, I really hope Dallas does it against him. He is such a bad coverage safety. I almost feel bad for him that I realize he's a multi-multi multimillionaire professional athlete, but I, I don't know how that dude gets to play as much as he does. He is absolutely terrible.
1: So the tables have finally turned. I'm picking Dallas. You're picking Kansas City
0: yep uh, yeah this is weird. This is kind of a an interesting turn of events.
1: All right, well, nonetheless i'll I'll get us on our next game. Speaking of State Farm, uh we got Aaron Rodgers versus the Vikings, the Packers and the Vikings. a big rivalry game. And as we all know, rivalry, divisional games, they're going to be gritty, they're going to be tough. The Packers are coming off of a gritty, ugly, tough win. The defense played phenomenal against uh, Russell Wilson, who's just coming back. I think he's a little bit rushed coming back. I think he's a little banged up. But nonetheless, defensive played phenomenal. Shut him out. 17-0 win. Good job, Green Bay. Rodgers is back. It looks like he's playing okay. Uh, The Vikings, they play a lot of close games. They play a lot of teams close. They took Baltimore to overtime. Uh, they, they take a lot of teams, very close games. I see this as a game that has the potential to be very close as well. Maybe Rogers isn't 100% back yet. Um, but if they, I think this Green Bay defense may be finally catching a groove. There's a lot of good uh, receivers on the Vikings, but there was also a lot of good receivers on the Seahawks, but they seem to handle them pretty well. I feel like Green Bay has a really good chance to come out here and prove themselves defensively in what could be an offensive struggle. Mike Zimmer, that Vikings defense, very menacing, very tough to play against, especially being a divisional game, especially being in Minnesota. Uh, But I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to pull this one off because on paper, statistically, by the record, they are just the better team.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you brought up Rogers about three times. I think this game can be summed up with just Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk cousins. And I think that's the real difference. I think both teams have interesting identities. We kind of think of them as high flying offenses a little bit, but both the Packers and the Vikings have been real run heavy. Obviously the, the Packers with AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, Minnesota with Dalvin cook. So that's kind of their identities. Both teams have been about run the football, take a few shots downfield. They each have one star wide receiver, DeFonte Adams for green Bay. Uh, the young stud, Justin Jefferson uh, from Minnesota. I, I think this is interesting because I think both teams are, whereas you know, Dallas and Kansas City, I kind of talked about being stylistically opposite. Kansas City and Green Bay are, are stylistically almost identical. And when it's identical and, and teams are closely matched like that, I think it comes down to one thing, who has the better quarterback or the quarterback you trust more. And that's, and that's got to be Rodgers. And the thing about Green Bay is they've shown they can win ugly. right? The, the win against Seattle, like you said, that was an ugly game. It was not, a, not an enjoyable game offensively to watch for either team. Green Bay found a way to win. I mean, they played kind of ugly even their win against Arizona, you know, 24-21 in the desert a few weeks ago. So Green Bay has showed that they can win ugly. Minnesota has shown that they can lose ugly. And a lot of that comes down to quarterback play. And I think you got to go Rodgers over Cousins here, even though Cousins is at home. I'm with you on this one. I'm going Green Bay.
1: All right. Nick, uh, what is your game to watch this week? What do you got going? So I got another division matchup for you. I
0: got the uh, Arizona Cardinals traveling to the Seattle Seahawks, big NFC West matchup. Kyler Murray at the time of the filming of this show, he's most likely to play as what the reports are, you know, coming off the ankle injury. He played against those Packers a couple of weeks ago. I think this is a big opportunity for Seattle. Murray's going to be hobbled. A big part of his game is the scrambles and the running. A lot of that's going to be negated. I'm looking for the Seattle Seahawks to blitz their safety. Jamal Adams, he's had a disappointing year. I know he's been very, very disappointing uh, for, for pretty much. Even, he was on my disappointing list. And he's on a lot of people's disappointing list. But I think this is a big chance for him to step up and have a big game against a hobbled Kyler Murray. I, I think Arizona, they feel maybe they, they're maybe on the other side of being uh, the elite team. They've got absolutely trundled. Uh, by Carolina. They lost a few weeks ago before that to Green Bay. I wonder if they can keep the momentum going now that they've had some injuries uh, at key positions in Seattle, right? Russell Wilson was really rusty in his game back, first game back last week. I think he shook the rust out. I think he's going to have a big game against Arizona. So look, you got Russell Wilson, who shook the rust out against Green Bay. He's coming back full. You have Kyler Murray, who's got to shake the rust out this week, his first game back. The game's in Seattle. It's going to be wet, cold, raucous crowd. I'm picking the Seahawks to pull an upset here.
1: I'm going to have to agree with you. I think, like I said, uh, Wilson maybe started a little bit too early, but now he's back. He's got a full week of practice under his belt. He's going to be here. Maybe the offense starts clicking again. Uh, Russ it's not going to be like a full 10-course meal. He's not cooking up that much. But maybe he's like sous chef, you know, a nice home-cooked, three-course, four-course meal, appetizers, you know, some salad soup meal, dessert. But Russ is going to cook a little. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a win. And like Russ last week, Kyler's coming back from uh, injury this week. So I think the roles will be reversed. Russell will be the Green Bay in this game. Cardinals are going to be the Seahawks of last week. And that's going to be our result. The Seahawks are going to beat the Arizona Cardinals. And what I assume will probably be another ugly game for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking this is like 17-13, 20-13. I think Russell Wilson makes a few big plays, maybe some scramble plays, some deep plays to Metcalf or Lockett. And Murray just can't make those plays because he's still, you know, like you said, rusty coming off the injury.
1: All right. Are you ready for our gut check segment? Oh, wait. Before we, I have to give you my, my game of the week. Yeah, go very ahead. Very important. Very important. Nick. Earlier this season, the Pittsburgh Steelers played Cleveland Browns. They were able to defeat them 15-10, a good victory for the Steelers. This past week, the Pittsburgh Steelers tied the Detroit Lions in one of the worst games I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, if I correlate these two things, in my head I've said I'm going to do this, and I'm doubling down. I have a feeling that the Detroit Lions have just enough juice in the tank to come out and beat the Cleveland Browns in what I would call the biggest win of the Lions history. Like, I they haven't been to a Super Bowl. So, this is like their game. This is their Super Bowl. They almost won last week. I feel like they pull it out here. They can tie Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh better than the Browns. Browns lost OBJ. So, that that threat's gone. The Browns played terribly last week. Got destroyed by the Patriots. So they're in the dumps. There's no bouncing back for the Browns. I think the Lions come in. Baker Mayfield, he's got a foot injury. He's got knee injury, got shoulder injury. He said he's banged up, is what it is. Well, it is what it is, Baker. You are banged up, and the Lions are going to beat you. So that's what I'm going to go with this week as my game of the week.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, the Detroit, obviously, very ugly game. I, don't even, I can't say they played well, even though they didn't lose. Uh, but this week against Cleveland... This, this is, I'm rooting for Detroit, man. I I, I think Baker, he, like you said, he's beat up. He's coming off a really bad game against New England. I think this Cleveland team is spiraling a little bit, maybe a little locker room issues. There's some rumors that Jarvis Landry is not happy with Baker Mayfield. Uh, there's rumors that the entire Cleveland fan base isn't happy with Baker Mayfield. There's rumors that the entire pro football landscape isn't happy with Baker Mayfield, as bad as he's been. I, I think this is sort of a statement opportunity for Detroit to say, Hey, we're, you know, we're turning the corner. We tied last week. We're going to win this week. And I think that we could see the beginning of the end of the Baker Mayfield tenure in Cleveland. Remember this Baker got his first opportunity to play. Uh, Cleveland was on like a 20 game losing streak. They'd gone Owen 16 the previous year against the New York jets, another really bad franchise. Baker got his first opportunity to play in the second half leads into a big comeback game. And they win that game. their first win in 20 games or whatever it was at the time. How poetic would it be if, Cle- if Baker Mayfield's last start would, in Cleveland would be losing to a team without a win? I kind of see it happening. I like the poetic justice. I'm going with you. I'm going Detroit winning this game, and we're seeing the end of the Baker Mayfield tenure in Cleveland.
1: I think after this game, we need to have a keen eye on Jarvis Landry's dad's Instagram and Twitter accounts to see how many times he points out that Jarvis Landry was open and Baker didn't pass the ball to him.
0: Yeah, so. I think that's... Yeah, definitely.
1: All right. Now we can get into our gut check segment. That was very important. I had to make sure I got that one in. Up earlier in the week, we both selected the New England Patriots to beat the Atlanta Falcons. First game we have up on our gut check segment, Indianapolis Colts at Buffalo Bills. Who do you have here?
0: I think Buffalo is playing a little off, but I you gotta go Buffalo a little bit. I think uh I think they're a better team.
1: I absolutely agree with you. Uh they they got they had a big comeback game last week. Uh I think they continue. I just think Indianapolis is a little bit too inconsistent, like as a team. They just they can win a game, but there's not too much to them. Uh they they have too predicated on Carson Wentz's play. Uh next up, we have my Baltimore Ravens versus the Chicago Bears. Who do you have here? This is
0: an interesting matchup. I mean, you got two mobile quarterbacks, two young quarterbacks. Baltimore's defense has not been playing well. Does Justin Fields have a big game? Potentially. Um, I just think Lamar Jackson, I take him over Justin Fields right now. I think Lamar and that that offense wants to have a big comeback. Greg Roman feels embarrassed by that Miami game. So I'm going Baltimore here.
1: So uh, as we discussed off screen uh, a little bit, Miami played some crazy defense. Uh, I think if someone else tries to come at Baltimore with that this week, they're going to be prepared for it now. Uh, They're going to expect it, much like how the uh, Chargers played a crazy defense against them in the playoffs three years ago in Lamar's first playoff game. Uh, So I I tend to see Baltimore come back from bad losses like that well. um I'm gonna agree with you, even though I think this is gonna. This is one of those games, one of those teams that Baltimore is gonna play really close. It may be an overtime win, it may be a last-second field goal win, but I do see them being able to win this game despite Tavon Young, their starting slot corner, being out. Obviously, Marcus Peters is out, so Anthony Everett's covering for him, and starting safety Deshaun Elliott is out. So there's a mixed rotation of Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens, and maybe even a little bit of. Um, Jimmy Smith in there, so we'll see what happens. I hope they win.
0: Yeah, one more point. What we what have we seen this season? A lot of regression to the mean. Baltimore had an off game against Miami, very a very <laughs> off game. You know, big regression to the mean opportunity here against Chicago.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we have selected the Detroit Lions to probably easily beat the Cleveland Browns. Not much of a opponent there. Now we have the Houston. Texans versus the Ageless Wonders, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Nothing seems to affect them. What who do you have here? Uh, You got to keep
0: going with the Titans. They just fight hard. They play hard. They're well coached. That defense is playing really well. Uh, They keep finding ways to win games. And Houston is downright terrible this year. I'm going Tennessee.
1: I'm gonna agree with you because I thought that Derrick Henry would be an issue, but since going three and zero after losing him, uh, they can win. And they can definitely beat the Texans, so there's not much to dispute there. Uh, We both have selected the Green Bay Packers to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Now, this next one is a doozy. The Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. Which bad team is going to get a win here? So,
0: I think it's been reported that Joe Flacco will start for the New York Jets. Oh, I, I I think... I think at this point, you got to go Flacco. I mean, you talk about an elite guy. It begins and ends with Joe Flacco. He was an elite quarterback the first time 10 years ago. After stinking the next nine years, he wants to be back to being elite. I'm going Flacco and the
1: Jets over Miami. I'm going Flacco and the Jets over Miami, and I'm going over under over five touchdowns for Joe Flacco. He airs it out uh, like easy. It's like a Mike White game. But this is how Joe Flacco actually plays. He actually should have been the number one overall draft pick. And Mike White just doesn't even know what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so strange to see Joe Flacco still play. It, it's, 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 kind of, it's, it's kind of funny, kind of bizarre.
1: Funny story about Joe Flacco. Uh, do you know what Joe Flacco's first ever sponsorship deal was? No idea. What was it? So his first ever sponsorship deal, my favorite thing about him, was from Haribo Gummy Bears. In that deal, he got no money, but he was given a lifetime supply of Haribo gummy bears. How does that make you feel, Nick?
0: Well, it makes me think that now we know what's causing the supply chain crisis. You know, the reason we can't get gummy bears at the store is because Flacco's got them all.
1: Yeah, he's got a stockpile in his house somewhere. That's sick SOB. I, I knew there was somebody
0: behind it, didn't know it was Flacco. I guess I'm not surprised to hear it now.
1: Another funny story, after uh at the time, this sounds like a small small potatoes now, at the time, uh Flacco had signed his hundred and twenty million dollar uh quarterback defining contract at the time after the the Super Bowl winning season. Uh another thing he did was he went to McDonald's afterwards to celebrate, got ten piece nuggets. So that's another another fun fact. Another uh Joe Flacco So
0: Yeah, I forgot he signed a hundred and twenty million dollar deal a while back, you know. I guess I, I didn't know he was in, uh, responsible for the supply chain crisis. Now I do. I guess you have to blame on uh, blame him for inflation now too, as well. I mean, no way he's worth 120 million. Yeah, who would have thought that all of the world's problems would be caused by Joe Flacco? I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. A lot of lot of insights on this show. Big insight
1: show. All right, this game's actually pretty interesting uh, when we look at it. This next one up, we have. The New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a pretty, like, two teams who I say are very similar on how they've played this season. Uh, What do you got here? This is a very, very tough one. The
0: Saints have, you know, they've had one big win against Tampa when Simeon came in, but they've lost two in a row, very close games. They lost at home against Atlanta. You know, they lost on the road to Tennessee, each by two points. You know, I feel like this is Sean Payton's kind of line in the sand. Will they be a contender this year, or will they fall apart? I'm picking the Saints to win this game. And, again, the Eagles, while they're playing better offensively, a lot of it's been on the running game with that Hurts and and their kind of zone read and and gun running game. New Orleans has a very, very good run defense and a solid defense overall. Uh, I think the Saints do a little bit of good work on that run defense, kind of contain it a little bit, limit the big plays, force Hurts to beat him throwing, which he can't do, uh, at least consistently, against not against uh, that New Orleans defense. I'm going the Saints here.
1: I'm going to have to go with the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles played pretty well uh, against the Broncos last week. Uh, able to come out and, you know, kind of smoke them out a little bit. Um, but one thing I like is, uh, how do you pronounce the name? Sirianni, the, the Eagles' new head coach. Yeah. Uh, he's been plowing the fields. He's been manuring the fields, uh, fertilizing. The blooms are coming up. I think Hurts is finally grasping the offense. I think the team's coming together a little bit. And I think if they'd run up against a top-tier opponent, they're going to have some trouble. But I really think they have a shot to beat this uh, New Orleans Saints team who, for a lack of a better term, lacks identity on offense. They don't really know which way they're going to go. And one player I have been very unimpressed with is uh, Taysom Hill when he's been behind the quarterback? He looks very vulnerable back there. As a gadget one-time player to run some trick plays, he looks he looks pretty effective. Obviously, we've seen that evidence, but he does not look like a great uh, full-time drop-back passing quarterback to me.
0: Yeah, no, he's had issues, I I agree the Taysom Hill experiment appears to be uh, on the downslope. But again, I think it's just I think this is a, a game with New Orleans defense just does a number on Jalen Hurts. That's just how I'm feeling there. Next up, Washington football team at our Carolina Panthers. So, again, big regression to the mean opportunity. Washington had their biggest win in a long time. They beat uh, the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers last weekend. I think they regress a little bit. They're riding high. They're missing their main guy, superstar team leader Chase Young. Uh, I, I think uh, the Panthers are feeling pretty good about themselves, even though they're a little bit in flux at the quarterback position. I think this is an ugly game, 17-10, to 17-7 but I think that the Washington they they're they're riding high they're ready for a setback. They're going to miss Chase Young now that Cam Newton's playing for Carolina. Christian McCaffrey's back. He's kind of the X factor. Fun thing for you. I think four or five, all five of the Panthers wins have come when, since Christian McCaffrey's returned. With him out, you know, they've lost the four games he uh, missed that he didn't start and the games that he has started, they're 5 and 1. Very very impressive. I think he is that X factor for that team and I'm
1: going Carolina. I'm going to have to agree with you here. Cam is back, and like you said, Washington has lost their team leader. Carolina's team leader is back. Cam is back. He was the lifeblood of that team. He was the lifeblood of the city of Charlotte. Uh, He basically walked on water around there and everything he did. Uh, Maybe Tepper and the brass didn't see that. I think they've gotten things figured out. Cam's back. McCaffrey is back. Um, I think they're set up to continue some success going on here. And I think Cam may even be slated to be the uh full time starter this game coming up.
0: Yeah, I think he is slated to start. And remember, like like we talked about in our last show, this is the honeymoon phase of the of the getting back together for Cam Newton Carolina. So I think there's some good times for at least the short term.
1: At least Long-term. another game or two of of some sustained success and then we'll see the drop off.
0: Yeah, that's 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 I agree with you. I agree, I agree with you there.
1: Now, another interesting game, a team who has, like you said, come out against the mean. They had a real big win against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: You know, the Jaguars, they've actually been playing a little bit better, right? They beat Buffalo a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, is there anything there with Jacksonville? I, maybe Trevor Lawrence is banged up. They're not very explosive offensively, but the 49ers haven't been very explosive offensively. This is sort of a, I, I you know, I really want to go hardcore San Francisco here, but Jacksonville has been playing better, but I, I just can't pick Urban Meyer. I'm going to go Garoppolo and Shanahan. I think they pick up another win. You know they, they had a, a really good performance against the Rams, like you talked about on Monday night last week. I think Debo Samuel looks like an All-Pro guy, and I think their running game, led by Elijah Mitchell and left tackle Trent Williams, continues to ride. But you know people are sleeping on Jacksonville a little bit. They're starting to play a little bit better.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Jacksonville isn't anything to slouch over anymore. You can't just walk in there blindly. You may be at the take a look left and right, make sure before you cross the road, but. I think that the 49ers will handle that game. Uh, you did correct me. It was the Rams they played by th- a, f- a few weeks ago they were able to get the win over the Cardinals, or am I wrong on that one?
0: No, no, they lost, they lost to the Arizona. They got beat by Colt McCoy in the Arizona, but that they came it. back with a huge win uh, against, against the Stafford league. Rams. Yeah. All right. By, by the way, the Jaguars you know, kind of fell under the radar last week. They had a chance to beat the Colts. They had the ball driving for a win before they got stopped by the Colts' defense against Indianapolis. Jacksonville's playing better. Don't know if it's Trevor Lawrence. Don't know if it's Urban Meyer, but they're starting to turn around a little bit.
1: Yes, yes. I I agree with you. Um, Dangles at the Raiders. (sighs) This is...
0: I, I think the Raiders are just in a free fall. I mean, I think talent wise, I'd probably go to the edge to the to the Raiders a little bit, you know. But I think the Raiders are in free fall. I think that the, the, there's no leadership on that team. The issues with Rugs, the Arnett arrests, obviously Gruden and that issue that's going on. You know, they just kind of fell apart against Kansas City. They just looked defeated. You know, it, it didn't look like they just got out. Sometimes you get beat bad. They looked emotionally worn down and defeated. I think the Bengals are kind of the young, feisty team. They're inconsistent. You don't know what team you're getting week to week. But Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I mean, they've got some weapons on that side of the ball. Joe Mixon at running back's a heck of a player. I, I think the Bengals come out and they beat the Raiders. I'm going, uh, I'm going Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see the Baltimore Bengals here, uh, the team that came out and smacked Baltimore in the mouth. I, I think this is uh, their primed. Come out and have another really big game. Um, I just think that uh, this this whole team, everything's everything. If it clicks, they're like you said, extremely dangerous, and I think they have every opportunity to click against this floundering Las Vegas Raiders team. I have selected the Cowboys to beat the Chiefs. You have selected the Chiefs to beat the Cowboys. Both of us think probably going to be a close game. Uh, we both have selected the Seahawks to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Next up. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the LA chargers.
0: You know, I think the Steelers have looked bad the last couple of weeks. They should have lost to Chicago. They tied Detroit. I think half their team is on the COVID list right now. I think Justin Herbert is due for a little bit of a bounce back after the loss. I really like Justin Herbert, especially against the hobbled Pittsburgh team. I'm going the chargers.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, Watched a documentary on Justin Herbert just a few days ago. Uh, Him and uh, Neighbor, their fullback I believe is his name, uh, they're called the Brisket Boys because after a victory, they cook a nice brisket on the Traeger Grill that they have. No no sponsorship here. But uh, I think the Brisket Boys are due for another brisket. Uh, I think this is a big statement comeback win. And like I talked about a little bit earlier, I think... The Chargers have an opportunity. This year, they're not yet there. But I think they have an opportunity to grow on some stuff, get better. And I think next year through the draft and everything is really going to be their year to actually shine and be a little bit more consistent. And finally, yeah. finally, we have the New York Giants versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: You're going Brady and Bucks here 100%. You know, They are just... Absolutely pissed off that they lost to Washington last week. Brady's going to come in motivated. That whole veteran team's going to come in motivated. This is sort of the wake up call I think that Bruce Arians wanted Tampa to have the loss to Washington. Uh, Bruce Arians called Brady out in the media this week. I think Brady responds with a vengeance against New York. I think this is a blowout. I'm going Bucks.
1: Yeah, I think you hammer the over in this game. Whatever it is, it's not high enough. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well. These are our game picks for this week. I think it's a, a pretty solid slate of football. There's a lot of pretty interesting games on here. Uh, no necessarily superstar games outside of maybe the Chiefs and the Cowboys, if you want to consider the Chiefs a superstar still. But there's a lot of good, gritty matchups. I think there's a lot of stuff that could be slated to be some tight games, uh, overtime finishes. Maybe you get another tie. You never know. But um, there's a good. Good pick. I I feel confident in our picks. I think uh, we we have we're going to do pretty well this week. Uh, Nick, got anything else for us this week?
0: No, another great show. Um, I I just want to thank everyone who stuck around and and watched the whole show. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate the support. You are the life of the show. Uh, If you have any feedback, please leave it for us in a comment. Please like, uh, subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We need your support. Um, Find us at our website, smishow.com. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at SMI Football Show. We're also on Facebook, also at SMI Football Show. Like, follow us. We put up some funny tweets. You'll find access to all of our latest content there. Again, we are not big sports media. We got to make up for not having the big budgets and the fancy suits by working hard, doing the research, and putting the best show on for you. Uh, Once again, I'm Nick Rudman, joined as always by the man with the luscious
1: locks. That's Andrew Mize. Mize, any final thoughts? That's it. Great week of football, and I'm excited to see it happen. We'll see you next week.